Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, March 5th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The death toll from the coronavirus rising to 11 here in the United States as countries around the world take severe measures to stop the outbreak. Also, as cleaning products sell out across the country in the wake of the outbreak, new fears of hoarding and price gouging. And almost 20 states are dragging the Trump administration to court due to an ongoing heated dispute about one of the president's most controversial projects. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the coronavirus. The illness continues to spread rapidly in the U.S. As authorities in different states take precautions, many companies asking employees to avoid travel and work from home if possible. This as the testing process gets faster and stores run out of supplies. Lorraine Caceres has the latest. In New York, cases of coronavirus growing. So far, 13 people diagnosed. For now, it's business as usual in the bustling city. But subway station turnstiles, handrails and ticket vending machines will get disinfected every day. And the full fleet of MTA trains, cars and buses will get cleaned every 72 hours or less. As the virus spreads throughout the country in some areas, so is anti-Asian discrimination. In Sacramento, Asian Americans are finding themselves at the receiving end of public verbal attacks. We must not panic and we must not uh, allow people's legitimate concerns about the spread of, uh, of the coronavirus to turn into xenophobia or discrimination against any group of people. That's not acceptable. In Washington, the hardest hit state, they are using this motel to quarantine potential cases. And some airlines like JetBlue and United announcing they are cutting down domestic and international flight schedules due to less demand. Big box stores across the country are seeing the growing concern over the coronavirus in long lines. Panic because I went to Costco and there's no water. These are pictures posted online from various Costco's and a line just as long outside a store in Brooklyn. At this public supermarket in Fort Lauderdale, they were doing double takes over this, seeing a shopper who was either kidding or taking the coronavirus fears very seriously, dressed from head to toe in a hazmat suit while getting supplies at the grocery store. The end of the line for the toilet paper and paper towels is right here. From coast to coast, even out in Hawaii, stores that were recently filled with bottled water, baby wipes and toilet paper wiped empty. If a pandemic were to happen, Department of Homeland Security says it would be helpful to have on hand a two-week supply of water and food. And they suggest that you make sure drug prescriptions are refilled and that you have a good supply of pain relievers, cold and cough medicines, and other non-prescription items. But some experts say that the run on products like bottled water and hand sanitizer might be a little overboard. Don't need to be applying the hand sanitizer every five minutes. A small bottle in your purse or pocket should be fine to get you through several weeks. It's a respiratory virus. I don't see that it could live in our water supply, and so I, I don't see a reason to need to stock up on any kind of like bottled water or water filters or anything like that. You can drink the water that you normally drink. In Washington, three counties have cases. Tennessee reported its first case today, and the U.S. Department of Education has a special team monitoring the situation closely, ready to close schools as necessary. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. 
As the number of cases and deaths from the novel coronavirus increase across the U.S., federal health officials are expanding testing for the fast-moving outbreak. The new guidance issued by the CDC on Wednesday formalizes an announcement by Vice President Mike Pence that any American with a doctor's order can be tested with no restrictions. Meanwhile, online retail giant Amazon is recommending some employees in Washington state to work from home until the end of the month. The company said anyone in the Seattle and Bellevue areas who can work from home should do so. It's unclear how many employees fall under that category, though. This comes after one of Amazon's Seattle workers contracted the virus. Washington state has the most confirmed cases in the U.S. with 39, including 10 deaths there. And speaking of Amazon, the company is backing out of the Southwest by Southwest Festival, which takes place in Austin, Texas, because of coronavirus. The move follows Facebook and Twitter's decisions to not attend. South by Southwest is scheduled to take place from March 13th to March 22nd and features music, technology and entertainment. So far, 11 cases of novel coronavirus have been confirmed in Texas. And as Japan struggles with its own outbreak, supermarkets and drugstores across the country are dealing with shortages of toilet paper, hand sanitizer and masks as people are hoarding supplies. These are just a few photos showing empty shelves where toilet paper should actually be. Some residents there say it's been more than a week since stores in that area had toilet paper. Meanwhile, as fears of a pandemic continue to rise, the prospects of supply shortages right here in the U.S. are making some rush to stock up on supplies, creating a sense of urgency that's prompting some stores to start rationing how much you can actually purchase. Carolina Sarasa has much more. There's a run on supplies this morning. Big box stores across the country are seeing the growing concern over the coronavirus here, in the longest lines they have seen in years. I'm in panic because I went to Costco and there's no water. These are pictures posted online from various Costco's, and a line just as long outside a store in Brooklyn. At this public supermarket in Fort Lauderdale, they were doing double takes over this, seeing a shopper who was either kidding or taking the coronavirus fears very seriously, dressed from head to toe in a hazmat suit while getting supplies at the grocery store. The end of the line for the toilet paper and paper towels is right here. From coast to coast, even out in Hawaii, stores that were recently filled with bottled water, baby wipes and toilet paper wiped empty. We saw the masks first and then uh, the hand sanitizer went uh, a little bit after. I guess people are just real nervous about the potential spread. One consumer research firm says that sales of dried beans are up 10 percent. Thermometers are up 47 percent, hand sanitizers 73 percent, and none of those numbers take into account sales from the last week and a half. On their website, Kroger has announced that they will be limiting the number of sanitation, cold and flu-related products to five each per order. I think that's really good that they are limiting people so that people can't like go buy the whole store and there's plenty to go around. If a pandemic were to happen, Department of Homeland Security says it will be helpful to have on hand a two-week supply of water and food. And they suggest that you make sure your drug prescriptions are refilled and that you have a good number of pain relievers, cold and cough medicines and other non-prescription items. But some experts say that the run-on products like bottled water and hand sanitizer might be a little overboard. 
You don't need to be applying the hand sanitizer every five minutes. A small bottle in your purse or pocket should be fine to get you through several weeks. It's a respiratory virus. I don't see that it could live in our water supply, and so I, I don't see a reason to need to stock up on any kind of like bottled water or water filters or anything like that. You can drink the water that you normally drink. But some experts say that the run-on products like bottled water and hand sanitizer might be a little overboard. Carolina Sarasa, U News. And joining me now to discuss the growing outbreak is Dr. Jose Gonzalez Zamora. He's an assistant professor of clinical medicine at the University of Miami's Infectious Diseases Division. Doctor, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, thanks for inviting me. So let's start off with the hand sanitizer shortages. We just saw that in the previous story. What's actually best for people washing hands with soap and water or using these hand sanitizers and how often? So if we follow the recommendations, official recommendation by the CDC, the best measure to take will be to un, to do hand washing. Now, actually, in order for that to be effective, we have to do it with a soap and water for at least 20 seconds. But if we cannot do that, the alternative is to use hand sanitizer. But we have to make sure that we use one that has at least 60% of alcohol on it for that to be effective. And actually, uh, in terms of how often to uh, wash your hands or use sanitizer, I will say at this point, since there is community spread of the virus, we have to do it as many times as possible. But especially before eating, after going to the bathroom, after sneezing or coughing, those are the main measures that we have to take. That's very important information. I actually tell my daughter, who's five years old, to wash her hands with soap and water, but to sing the happy birthday song throughout the process. So she can actually have clean hands. Now, a lot of this preparation is taking place because people are very anxious, they're nervous. What advice do you have for them? I mean, you go online and so many products are already sold out everywhere. So we have to, uh, well, actually this is a condition that has to be taken seriously. And I actually uh, think it's a good uh, thing that the people are getting concerned about this because we know that people are actually conscious about what can happen, but let's keep in mind that this is a respiratory virus that most of the times will give you like a very mild clinical presentation. So let's take into account that most of the patients that develop this infection will actually have a mild course and they will recover from that disease. And actually applies to 80% of the population that can get this infection. Unfortunately, there is a certain or a specific group of people that can have a poor prognosis or at least at risk of complications. And these are the senior citizens that acquire this infection. In this population, that case fatality rate can be higher, but for normal immunocompetent people, so that is, is actually a very mild disease that usually recover fully after a couple of weeks. So in other words, it would be mild for someone who perhaps has a strong immune system, like maybe you and I, but not the same for the elderly or people who have underlying conditions. That's very important for people to remember. Now let's move to questions about testing. The U.S. has performed about 3,600 coronavirus tests. In other countries, thousands of tests are being done daily. Adding to that, a shortage of testing kits. How does all this affect our fight to control coronavirus? Well, actually, the, that has changed in the last days, and the information that we have right now is that public health labs now have the capability for, for testing for coronavirus. So, I mean, last week, what we have done is to send all the specimens to CDC in Atlanta, and actually that takes time for the results to be released for probably three to five days for somebody to be sure that the hazard doesn't have the infection. But nowadays, it only takes 24 hours to have the results. And 
actually, uh, the information that I have right now is that we have the capability of test at least 15,000 people in the state of Florida and at least 2 million people uh, around the country. So I don't think there will be a shortage of kids, and I think there is an improvement in the number of kids that we have available for the population. Is it possible that there are people with coronavirus symptoms and yet they think perhaps it's the flu or a strong cold and they're still reporting to work? How can that be controlled? Actually, we have to keep uh, the population informed. And the recommendation that we have by the CDC is that if you have respiratory symptoms, you have to stay at home uh, as possible, if possible. Actually, that's a recommendation. So we have to be cognizant about this and recommend everybody or to have policies in the workplaces that if anybody has respiratory symptoms, the recommendation is to stay at home to avoid the spread of this disease. Well, thank you so much for your time and for all those recommendations, Dr. Jose Gonzalez Zamora. Have a wonderful day and stay safe. My pleasure. Take care. Senate Republicans are sharpening their investigations involving former Vice President Joe Biden and his son's work at a Ukrainian energy company just as the former vice president surges in the Democratic presidential race and reemerges as a front runner for his party's nomination. And also developing today, Senator Elizabeth Warren announced she's ending her presidential campaign. Let's watch. This morning, Joe Biden is looking to build on his Super Tuesday comeback. We welcome all those who want to join us, all those who want to join us, and uh, to build a movement. Biden Wednesday picking up another key endorsement with the exit of Michael Bloomberg. I'm glad to say I endorse Joe Biden. Bloomberg is vowing his support and big checkbook to help Biden take down President Trump. Our campaign for a better America, a stronger America, a more just America, a more equal America, and a more united America continues. And together, we will get it done. But the Democratic Party is once again facing the nightmare of 2016, a collision course between its establishment candidate and Bernie Sanders that could leave the party fractured and weakened come November. With the Democratic establishment consolidating behind Biden, Sanders released this glowing ad featuring President Barack Obama heaping praise on Sanders in what could easily be confused for an endorsement, but Obama has yet to make a move. They want honest leadership who cares about them. They want somebody who's going to fight for them. And they will find it in Bernie. That's right, feel the burn. Meanwhile, some Trump campaign officials have reportedly said they would prefer to face Sanders. Even some Trump allies agree Biden would be hard to defeat. I think he'd be tough. I told the president that. I think Joe Biden's got a, you know, a good reputation and he'd be tough. He'd be more moderate than Bernie, but I still think it's Trump's to lose. Trump's campaign plan will now allegedly include ramping up their attacks on Biden's son Hunter's work for the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. To choose hope over and this morning, all this eyes on Elizabeth Warren, who dropped out of the presidential race. Warren has not endorsed Sanders or Biden, but she did speak with both candidates on Wednesday. She is said to be assessing who would best uphold her agenda. But so far, she has said she will not make any announcement today because she wants more time to think about it. A new announcement from the Trump administration. President Trump saying the government will withhold funding from so-called sanctuary cities. This comes after a federal court ruling last week. Janet Rodriguez joins me live from Washington, D.C. Janet, overall, what does all this mean? 
Well, Andrea, overall, we don't know really yet what it means. We have been contacting attorney generals throughout the country from sanctuary cities, and they don't understand whether these funds will be withheld immediately or what the order from DOJ will mean for those communities across the country. We did hear from the attorney general from California who says that he will follow the law and not the president's tweet when it comes to withholding of money for sanctuary cities. And we say the president's tweet because he made that announcement in Twitter this morning saying, and I quote, um, as, as per the recent federal court ruling, the federal government will be withholding funds from sanctuary cities. They should change their status and go non-sanctuary. They do not protect criminals. Now, this comes, as you well said, after a court ruled last Wednesday that the federal government indeed has the power to withhold federal fundings from cities and municipalities across the country. And this comes from another case back in 2018 when then Attorney General Jeff Sessions gave a directive that he would be withholding the Funds, and there's been a long legal battle, battle since of who can do what and whether the federal government has that power or not. This is the third court that rules on it, and it's the first court that says that the government, the federal government, does have that power. We're talking about $250 million in federal grants that go to some of these communities to help with criminal injustice, uh, law enforcement uh, across the country. So that money could be taken away. We do understand that some of the attorney generals from the state who have been involved in the legal battle with the federal government are already saying that they will continue this battle and hope to take it to the Supreme Court and ultimately have the Supreme Court decide who has the right to take away the funds and if the federal government has that right as this court has now ruled. But for now, we don't really understand what it will mean for those states right away, whether those funds will be taken tomorrow or not. We're still trying to figure that out, as the court did not say that these funds will have to be taken away immediately. Back to you. Thanks so much, Janet Rodriguez, for that information live in Washington, D.C. And almost 20 states are taking the Trump administration to court over one of the president's most famous and controversial pet projects, his border wall. They say the way the government is trying to finance it is illegal. Pablo Gato explains. In his last rally in South Carolina, Trump talked about one of his favorite subjects, the wall with Mexico. We're building the wall. Mexico's paying for the wall, by the way. We built 127 miles as of today. But 19 states say that the ones paying for the wall are the American taxpayers and they are suing the administration for using $3.8 billion from the Defense Department to build the wall. They say that this money was for military projects in their states and that reallocating it could cause them economic damage. Javier Becerra is the Attorney General of California, the lead state in the lawsuit. And he has said repeatedly that Trump violates the law because only Congress can determine where to spend the money that they have approved. The government has the right to implement immigration laws, but it also has to respect the law and the Constitution, he says. A California judge blocked last year $6 billion of military funds diverted to build a wall. Trump appealed, arguing that there was a wave of undocumented immigrants trying to cross the border. The Supreme Court authorized the use of these funds while the case is resolved in court. And you know who wants the wall more than anybody else? The Hispanics, because they get it. 
They're here, they want to be safe, and they know some of the people coming across are not the people that you want to be with. Hemos visto encuestas que señalan que, que el presidente Donald Trump Trump is now supported by 40% of the Hispanic population, says this conservative analyst. Others say that the wall is the anti-immigrant symbol of the Trump administration. It represents a very clear message from Trump. The doors of the United States are closed, says this activist. The plaintiffs say that Trump violates the powers of Congress when he diverts military funds. The response by the administration it's a national emergency situation, and they have the right to do so. Washington, Pablo Gato, U News. A new Supreme Court ruling says that states can prosecute undocumented immigrants for identity theft. This comes after three undocumented people in Kansas used falsified documents for employment. As Fabiola Galindo explains, the decision could now open the door for states to take what could be construed as immigration actions previously reserved for federal authorities. The 5-4 Supreme Court's decision is widening the state's power to prosecute undocumented immigrants that use other people's social security number or fake ones to get a job. The ruling overturns the 2017 Kansas court decision that said that the federal government has exclusive authority to determine whether an immigrant may work in the United States for giving the sentence of three undocumented workers who used someone else's ID. The conservative justice Samuel Alito wrote the mere fact that state laws like the Kansas provisions at issue overlap to some degree with federal criminal provisions does not even begin to make a case for. This lawyer says it is a crime to use a fake ID. States will now penalize immigrants who use someone else's social security number. States will now penalize immigrants in different ways. Both crimes are penalized, she adds, but the use of a fake ID is less severe than stealing one. The four liberal justices who voted against the case wrote, the law reserves to the federal government and thus takes from the states the power to prosecute people for misrepresented material information in an effort to convince their employer that they are authorized to work in this country. Activist groups agree that the court's decisions opens the floodgates for anti-immigrant states to criminalize them. People can be sanctioned from jail time to mere fines or community service. It all depends on the states where they reside. To avoid any problems, this worker prefers to work for cash. The ruling also reinstitutes the sentence against the three migrant workers in Kansas. In New York, Fabiola Galindo, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. U News, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Residents in Peru have started to take preventive measures against COVID-19 coronavirus. The Lima Chamber of Commerce stated that Peru has a stock of 2 million surgical masks to use during the outbreak if needed. 
but shopkeepers in the Gamarra textile district have started producing their own masks for sale. There are no confirmed cases of the novel coronavirus in the country. Assume your responsibility and don't be cowards. Those were opposition leader Juan Guaido's words for the Maduro regime in Venezuela over its alleged role in a recent mass shooting. Guaido claims Maduro and his affiliates are not brave enough to admit they ordered that attack. This past weekend, a group of 200 colectivos allegedly used government-branded weapons to shoot up an opposition gathering. Several civilians were injured in the incident. In Chile, clashes broke out between high school students and police on Wednesday during a protest against the government and public education system. Police in riot gear and students in their uniforms. Some of them were arrested and the police also launched scattered rounds of tear gas as they brought the protest under control. And former Brazilian soccer player Ronaldinho Gaucho is being held by police in Paraguay for allegedly using a fake passport to enter the country. He's due to appear at the Paraguayan Public Prosecutor's Office today. In July of 2019, the player reportedly had his Brazilian and Spanish passports confiscated over unpaid taxes and a non-payment of fines for illegally building on a nature reserve. According to officials, Ronaldinho denies wrongdoing and is cooperating with authorities. The Mexican government froze bank accounts tied to La Luz del Mundo Church, as our own at City Cardenas exclusively reported for Univision News last August. But there are new details. According to authorities, the money in those accounts was allegedly obtained through human trafficking and child pornography. This new revelation coming the day before the church's leader returns to a California court where he's facing multiple sexual abuse charges. Nidia Cavazos has more. Local. This is the first time that the Mexican government has officially recognized the freezing of several bank accounts last August that they say are connected to the La Luz del Mundo Church. The head of the finance ministry's financial intelligence unit revealed that they froze accounts of one of the church's pastors without revealing his identity and five other people whose deposits were allegedly obtained from various crimes related to exploitation of a sexual nature. Related to a religious group where there were donations being made to the church and participation in child pornography and exploitation of a sexual nature. The official who spoke during the morning conference, along with President Andrés Manuel López Obrador, said that almost $20 million have been frozen in Mexican banks. Using charts, he exposed how the church, headed by Nason Joaquín García, who has been in prison since last June in California on several sexual misconduct charges, allegedly used a network of proxies that allowed them to manage large amounts of money. Representatives of the church, whose international headquarters is in Guadalajara, declined to be interviewed. But in a statement, they categorically rejected allegations of illegal activity. They reiterated that they have not committed any crimes or illegal activities. They also said they were concerned about the public attention, which they say is affecting their constitutional rights. Para antes de hablar, ellos deben mostrar pruebas, y creo que carecen de ellas o no lo no los han mostrado. Before they speak, they must show proof which they lack. They have not shown any, so they are only fallacies against the church. In Jalisco, Mexico, reported by Etsiri Cárdenas, this is Nidia Cavazos, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.